Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Cricket Her weekly vodcast. Now, this week we are up at Lords. No, Sid. Not that Lords. Oh, which Lords? The House of Lords. Ah, okay. Better? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this week we're up at the House of Lords. Uh, because Raf has um, been up to the House of Lords, metaphorically speaking, in this age of plague and pestilence, um, making a submission to one of the House of Lords' select committees. Now, a select committee at the House of Lords is like, for, for you kids out there, it's basically a Zoom breakout room for very old people. Um, and they've got a select committee um, on sport and recreation. Mm -hmm. And Raf has made a submission to them. Raf, what have you submitted? I have submitted some written evidence. There is an inquiry going on at the moment by this particular select committee into whether there should be um, something called a national plan for sport and recreation. Um, and they're interested in things like how we um, increase the diversity of um, people participating in sport in the UK um, and how we increase the accountability of the people and the organisations who are governing sport in the UK. So it's quite a wide-ranging inquiry. Um, so yeah, I sat down and put some evidence together um, based on my research, um, and I suppose a couple of kind of key points relating to cricket, and a, a few kind of recommendations, which are potentially a little bit controversial, but um, interesting nonetheless. So the first one related to equal pay. So I put some stats together relating to the um, kind of disparity in pay between, say, Heather Knight and Joe Root, um, which obviously also carries across into lots of other sports as well. Um, and essentially the reason that that's allowed to happen is that there's a specific exemption for professional sport um, in the 2010 Equality Act. Um, and I've basically said that they should get rid of that um, and it should be illegal to pay your women athletes less than your male athletes. So radical recommendation there. We shall see what the House of Lords Select Committee makes of that one. The other one was relating to my research into governance um, and these kind of um, sort of forced mergers that happened in the 1990s, including the one between the Women's Cricket Association and the ECB. Um, and I've essentially recommended that actually those kind of mergers um, should be stopped in sports and in um, organisations where they haven't gone ahead so far, um, that that um, the the way in which um, the government funds sport should allow um, for different organisations to run men's and women's sport because that was obviously the reason for the mergers in the first place um, was this kind of idea that, that the government would only fund one merged governing body for each sport. Um, and with cricket specifically, I've given an example of a suggestion that they could have a devolved governance model uh, based on you know what we've seen with the Scottish Parliament and the Welsh Assembly, Welsh Parliament um, in the kind of political sphere, we could actually have um, a women's cricket board um, running women's cricket with its own budget and with its own making its own decisions independently of the men's game. So again, a bit of a radical suggestion there. Uh, be really interesting to see what the House of Lords Select Committee make of that. I think there is a possibility of me getting called up to give um, to give evidence kind of orally before the committee, um, which would obviously be via video link at the moment. Um, so we'll 
keep everyone updated as to how that progresses but that's what that's what i've been doing this week um sid you on the other hand while i've been beavering away hard at work you've been taking it easy putting your feet up and watching some cricket haven't you yeah we've had the joy of being able to watch the pakistan v south africa series via a number of slightly (laughs) dodgy youtube channels um one of which at one point got replaced by someone playing Grand Theft Auto, which was a bit of an eye-opener. You quite enjoyed that, <laughs> didn't you? Um, but no, we've, we, we have been fortunate to, to be able to watch it one way or another. Um, I'm not sure it was all entirely straight and above board. Uh, but it was, it was a good series, Raph. I, okay. I enjoyed it and it was great to be able to watch some international cricket. So there's still a couple of T20s to go, I think. Um, but the three ODIs are completed now. And, and South Africa won all of them, didn't they, in the end? So it was 3-0 scoreline. A little bit flattering to deceive there? Well, I think that, that Pakistan are honestly a better side than, than they're playing at the moment. They're, you know, they don't look like a side that have lost several ODIs in a row and haven't won an ODI since they beat Bangladesh at home in like November 2019. Um, you know, They're a better team than this, and they really ought to be doing better. Um, they, they do seem to have an issue with their top order batting, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, such a large percentage of their runs came from further down the order. Uh, so, you know, between uh, Nidadar and Alia Riaz, you've got nearly 50% of their runs coming at numbers 5, 6 and 7. Um, Riaz moved slightly in the batting order uh, for the last game. But, you know, all, all the runs are coming low down. And, you know, so that means that they've already half-blown the game. So they did pretty well to reach, you know, they, they got within three runs in the first game. The second game was a little, little bit less close, but still reasonably close. The third game was a more convincing win for mm-hmm. South Africa. Um, but, you know, Pakistan really ought to be, ought to be winning some of these games, and they ought not to be losing Series 3-0, I think. So what can they do to improve, Sid? Well, you know, I think one thing that they really need to do is to find another Nida Dar, and then, da-da! <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> Thank you for watching the cricket. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how has South Africa been doing? Um, Because they've obviously been missing a couple of key players, including Captain Dene Van Nierkirk. Yeah, um, well, you know, Laura Wolfart has been in the runs again. Um, Sine Lu's passed 100 uh, ODI wickets in her career, which is an important milestone. Um, I... Uh, tweeted about this and um, showed a graph of how her career has gone, which we'll put up on screen there. And yeah, you can see that her career has had you know a little bit of a dip around 2018 um, when she was obviously struggling. Um, and it, it's been kind of interesting that she's 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 started to tick upwards again. So that's that's a real positive for them. Um, the whole the whole thing though, she's, it's still it's still not quite there for her. I think what was really interesting in 2018 was I uh, watched her at uh, when we were at Somerset and there was that mm-hmm. try series, um, and she was genuinely struggling uh, on the field with her bowling. Um, she wasn't actually bowling anything like as much as she had. You know, there was talk about her basically playing as a batter, um, and she actually scored some runs in one of those games as yeah. well, um, which was all all great stuff. But anyway, um, the coaches had her at one point during training. Um, bowling on the outfield, um, just far away from any pitch. They had her just bowling, just going through the motions and bowling in the vague direction of a coach, but without any pitch there to distract her. Uh, Because I I do think it's all mental, because you could see when she was doing that, 
um, that she was absolutely fine. She was turning the ball a long way and she looked great. And then you put her on an actual pitch and then her length is just was disappearing all over the place. And she's obviously still struggling a little bit with this, but it is great to see her on the up, you know, and hopefully she'll, you know, get back mentally into the right place again because, you know, such a great bowler and such a wonderful player to watch when she's when she's really bowling well. It's been really interesting that she's been handed the captaincy um, for this tour in the absence of, of Van Niekerk. Um, and potentially, therefore, they're hoping that she will kind of um, recover enough enough form and be enough of a, um, a kind of solid player that she can potentially take over the captaincy on a, on a full-time basis in the future. Um, I was reflecting on the fact that she has been captain for this series and, and obviously because of work and stuff I haven't been able to watch the matches as closely as I would have liked but it does feel that I haven't particularly noticed her captaincy. Now it's, it's potentially debatable whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I suppose if she was doing wacky crazy stuff um, then either it would be seen as a genius move or she would completely wreck things. So sometimes a captain going under the radar isn't um, a totally bad thing, I think. Um, but there was that one particular decision that she made in the first ODI. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Sid? A little bit yeah, of it was, the, it, was the, it was the last over. Um, so Nadine de Klerk, uh, who bowled it in the end, she had mm -hmm. an over left. Marizan Kapp also had an over left. Um, the Pakistanis needed 13 off the last over. Uh, de Klerk's figures going into that final over were marginally better than Cap's, um, but there wasn't a lot in it, and she made the decision to hand that over to de Klerk. De Klerk nearly blew it. Um, mm. They needed 13, they got, they got 10, so they lost, lost by 3 in the end. Um, you know, it came down to the last ball. If, you know, if they'd got a four off the last ball, the whole complexion of everything would have changed, I think. Um, so, you know, sigh of relief for South Africa there. Um, but, you know, potentially an interesting decision, but, she, you know, they came out the right way. And de Klerk did in the end. I mean, when it came down to the nerves of that last ball, de Klerk bowled a dot. So. Okay. One honourable mention for Diana Baig as well, who's been the leading wicket-taker from either side. I think she's finished the ODIs with nine wickets in the end. And actually, I feel like Diana Baig is one of um, the most, probably one of the most underrated bowlers in international cricket. And I do think that if she wasn't playing for Pakistan, um, if she was playing for, if maybe if she was playing for South Africa or, or England, she would right now um, have got a WBBL contract. She'd be down to play in the 100. Um, and I think it's um, indicative of the fact that sometimes even the best players from these countries who are kind of ranked, you know, six, seven, and eight in the in the world rankings aren't getting those gigs, and are therefore um, almost kind of struggling to um, to establish themselves and kind of contributing, I suppose, to that disparity. Yeah, she's definitely been one of Pakistan's best players over the last few years. She looked really good um, in the series against England as well. Very impressed with her. Mm. You know, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, a quality player. Yeah. Okay, um, so moving on from that, um, that's been the international cricket this week and in a few weeks time we've got England coming up in New Zealand but England are still in quarantine at the mm. moment. What's happening over there, Raph? What's the goss? What are you hearing <laughs> on the down low? I don't know that there's much goss per se. Um, yeah, they've, they've arrived safely. Um, quarantine's going as well as, as can be expected. I believe they're being let out um, every day in very... Uh, controlled conditions let out of their rooms to walk around the exercise yard for an hour. And sort of like the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> but... 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. They had the night redemption. Now, any day now they're going to escape through a sewer. And they're going to find her in a coffee shop in Christchurch. <laughs> oh, Sid. Any day now they'll be let out and they'll be able to um, actually train together as a group, um, even though they'll then have to undergo a, another week of of quarantine after that but they'll at least be able to train together um, and then the matches will follow now one bit of i don't know if it's exactly gossip but we are told that the food is very good so congratulations to new zealand who as well of, of, as getting the global pandemic under control have also got extremely good food in your government mandated quarantine places so well done that none of the players will be complaining about um, a lack of nutrition which is excellent news ahead of when the cricket actually starts. Uh, and finally, sticking with New Zealand, um, we've got to show you this. Now, it's a bit heavy to lift up, actually. <laughs> this is uh, a tone. beautiful book that, that we've been sent, um, which is it's uh, The Warm Sun on My Face. It's a history of women's cricket in New Zealand. We'll open it up in a moment. Um, but, Raph, there's kind of an interesting uh, and sort mm -hmm. of slightly sad story behind mm -hmm. it, um, because one of the, the two authors uh, actually passed away a number of years ago. What's the story there, Raph? Yes, so um, the you can see it says that it's, it was written by Trevor Auger with Adrienne Simpson. Now, Adrienne started getting together um, material relating to this history in the 90s, uh, and I believe originally it was intended um, for the history to come out um, in time for the 2000 World Cup, which was hosted in New Zealand and, and won by New Zealand eventually. Um, so she went and she collected all this archival material and she interviewed a lot of the um, women who'd been involved in the very early days of New Zealand women's international cricket um, because in the 90s a lot of them were still around and she collected all this material together and then very sadly she became unwell um, and she passed away in 2010 and without having had an opportunity to finish the book. So all of these boxes of material and the tapes that she'd gathered together were donated to the New Zealand Cricket Museum. Um, and then recently, I believe it was linked to the fact that New Zealand will be hosting the next 50 over Women's World Cup. Um, they decided that they wanted this book to be finished. So they recruited Trevor Auger um, to uh, finish writing this book. Um, so he compiled everything together um, and did a little bit more writing um, and, and got everything together. Um, and they had the book launch a few weeks ago, there were some lovely photos coming out of that on, on Twitter. Um, it's not actually officially been published yet, so we've been quite lucky to get our hands on, on an early copy. But it is going to be available um, to buy in, in New Zealand bookshops. Um, and presumably, you'll be able to get it shipped um, to if you're in the UK or elsewhere in the world. Um, so look out for that because I guess we'll post the, the details from um, from Cricket Her on Twitter um, when we um, when it's actually officially able to be purchased. But it's a, it's a beautiful book, isn't it, Sid? Uh, it is. It's absolutely wonderful. It's got it's got a lot more text than the Australia book. The Australia mm -hmm. book was very much a coffee table book and lovely in it, mm. uh, as well. Um, but this is this is quite text heavy. It's got a lot of detail about games, a lot of details about those memories that came from the tapes that were recorded. Um, so you know, going right back into the 1930s. Uh, but there's pictures on almost every page. Wonderful pictures. If you're the kind of person like I am that just loves looking at old pictures uh, of the people and the and the players and it's just wonderful stuff yeah um and you know so going right from the the early days it does actually take you right back into the uh, latter part of the 19th century at the beginning uh and then going through into the 21st century at the yeah. end of it um so 
just just a wonderful piece of work. It's beautifully put together. It's it's the quality is is lovely and just we we couldn't recommend it more. So do your best to try and get hold of a copy mm -hmm. uh, when it is published next month. Okay, well that's all for this week. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, we'll be back in a week's time, same time, same place. See you then. Bye. Goodbye.